Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. I'm your host, Celine Chenoy. Thank you to all of you who return every week to tune in to become a better version of yourself. Make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already, and rate our show if you enjoyed this episode. We all face pivotal points in our lives when we struggle with our identity, during which we ask ourselves questions like, who am I? Or who am I becoming? And there's no easy answer for that, because we are complex beings. My guest, Anthony Trucks, thinks you can unveil the true and better you by making meaningful identity shifts. He's here to explain how we can accomplish that. Anthony Trucks is a former NFL athlete, American Ninja warrior, and international speaker, author of the Identity Shift book, and the founder of Identity Shift Coaching. He uses cutting-edge research in science and psychology to upgrade how you operate so you can elevate your life and business to reach your full potential. Anthony has been featured in Success Magazine, Netflix, and Amazon Prime. During our conversation, Anthony will reveal how we can align our identity to experience the life we desire using a simple framework. He'll also share his struggles growing up as a foster kid and his fight to succeed. His inspirational story shows that anything is possible with the right mindset and strategies. Hey, Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Life's good. Uh, I have Cadillac problems, which is uh, my life is not devoid of problems, but it's smooth like a Cadillac over the bumps of life. (laughs) Okay. I love that. I love that. So it is so wonderful to have you on the show. Um, I've actually been wanting to talk to you for a while uh, because you have a really inspirational story and I really wanted to share it with our community. So I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. Yeah, me too. Happy to share. All right. So today we're going to be talking about your story, Anthony. Um, more specifically, we're going to look at it through the lens of identity and how identity shapes us. And I know that this is something everyone struggles with at some point in their life, especially if they experience a lot of ups and downs as you did, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big piece of it all. And we all we all have an identity. It's interesting because it shapes us and we shape it simultaneously. It's kind of an interesting dynamic there. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, we'll get we'll get more into that later on. But first, I want to start by talking about your extraordinary journey. Uh, so you grew up as an adopted boy in a low-income family, eventually mm-hmm. beating the odds to become an NFL athlete, an American ninja warrior, and an international speaker. So, Anthony, how were you able to um, develop the inner strength and maintain a solid core as you went through all these challenges? Because you were not in stable environments, to say the least. Um, So what what was it that you did to maintain that uh, strong inner core? Yeah, yeah. I I think we all... All of us have these moments in life where we, we kind of get tested, right? So this is, I'll share my portions of it and hopefully it kind of carries over to somebody else getting a benefit from it. But the interesting thing is I, I don't believe I had the strength in the beginning, right? You uh, Usually you're the weak to begin with. It's like when you first start exercising and doing fitness, maybe you want to lift some weights. 
you don't actually start very strong. You have to build it. And the buildup process is difficult. It is long, arduous. It is, it's, it's riddled with just like a, it is difficulty. And so when you ask like, how do I have that inside? It wasn't that I had it, but I had to build it. And it's a daily thing. It's at one point in time, I had this realization that if I didn't change anything, my life was heading in a direction I didn't want it to go, to be a statistic. You know, as a foster kid, go to any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids like me. And so it wasn't like somewhere I was set up for success. In fact, I was set up for the complete opposite. But as I faced life, I started realizing I didn't like things. And so if I was going to change uh, the outcome of my life, I had to change the, the now of how I did things. And I started doing that. I would do uncomfortable things that, that weren't in line with my current identity. It's a way to express it because I didn't identify as a strong kid, a confident kid, a capable kid. And so that was my proof. And so I had to create new proof. And I did it through little things every single day that built in the direction of that new identity. So in fact, my identity shaped me from a standpoint of, I didn't like who I was. So I forced me to do different actions and then the actions reshaped the identity. So it's kind of an interesting cycle there. But that's how I developed it little by little. So every time I got faced with something, I'd settle back in that same flow in my head. I go, I don't like this. I'm like where it's heading. I got to do things that don't feel like they're normal to me now. But if I do them long enough, they do become normal to me and I get a better outcome. Interesting. And how were you able to gain that insight as you grew up? Because as a child, I'm guessing you did not have a lot of role models. So no. how did you know? How did you have that? higher perspective to know that there is a different way of being. Well, the cool thing is I didn't have the, uh, I wouldn't call it a psychological perspective. It wasn't like I saw like there's more I can do. It, most of the time you're just surrounded by a bunch of people and then you get to see like, oh, that's what's also there in the world. Like that exists, you know, I had okay. teammates and I had classmates and I had friends. You just, you see their world and I go, well, that exists. And I don't have that. I'd like to have that, whether it's the accolades for sports or just nice things. And some things I had control over, some I didn't. I had no control over the family's household income. You know, it was in my area. But I had control over how I performed on a football field. I had control over how I did in school. And so what happens is I, I would see things and go, I don't do that. And here's the thing. People go, well, how'd you believe that it was going to pan out in a positive way? Or how'd you believe it could be possible? And I go, I, I didn't believe. In fact, I had a, a heavy, strong belief, but it wasn't in the direction you'd think. The belief was, I don't like this. And I believe if I don't do anything, Nothing changes. And that was it. That that was as much, it's kind of weird to say like the belief was a negative belief. It was just a belief in the reality, which was this is a place I'm going. And if I don't do anything different to get over there, I'm going to be over here and deeper away from it in time. And so that was kind of the the most, I guess, psychological I, I got with it was just like, I don't like this. I want to do something different. And it kind of gives you one direction, which is the other direction. And so you start doing things without having a true promise of it being positive or without you know, any guarantees of it all. But I did simply know that there were other people that I saw that were doing great things, uh, whether it's accolades, you know, athletically or academically. And I go, if I just do stuff in that direction, it'll hopefully pan out. So that's what I did. I just started doing things that were like the people who had the thing I wanted. Hmm. And how old were you when you had this realization? 15. Yeah, young, young buckaroo. Young. It I think was. you're an old, you're was, an old soul. <laughs> I am young. kind of an old soul. I yeah. I, uh, I turned forty this year, and most oh, people okay, me here, too. <laughs> yeah, because people assume they go like, yeah, I thought you were like mid forties because of how I speak, I guess. Yeah, and then on top of that, people who see me go like, you have a kid in college. It's like, yeah, I got a I got a sophomore in college. I got twins that are fourteen. I'm a weird okay. weird guy. And here's here's what I've come to find about me as a human is like I can 
I can tell you back to like three years old, the layout of my house, because of the trauma that took place with my mom giving me away to the foster care world, my brain kicked on early. I had to learn how to like survive and navigate things. I, I vividly remember so much about my childhood and the house and and obviously part of it probably just off of, you know, studies will show it can't all be 100% true, but I've gone to places and go like, yep, that's what I remember it to look like. And so because of that, my brain just kicked on early. So I've, I've had a little more time to be using this thing than most people, I guess. So I have like that old soul feeling to me, but I just like to think and process and pay attention. And I'm not worried about voicing an idea or a thought. And I think because of that, it allows me to have a conversation to improve or diminish or change the thought I have which is where I think wisdom comes into play. You can have experience all you want, but wisdom is the seasoning of the experiences. It's the understanding of the experience. And so, well, oh, I like I that. A, wisdom is a seasoning of the experience. Yeah. And that's a There's point. a good book. It's called uh, Outwitting the Devil. It's uh, Napoleon Hill wrote, and it's very interesting. If you get a chance to listen to the audio book, I was recommended and it was a really good listen. But like it talks to the fact that like, you know, there's this, place of wisdom and, and information. People think information is is all you need. It's like, no, you do need that time to let something settle. And so on top of that, I can have my time or I can listen to people who have already gone through that time. So some of the wisdom I, I garner, it's already been seasoned by somebody else. And I go, that's good. And I add it to my thoughts and I make sense of it. But also I'm, I'm able to say I'm wrong and I can entertain ideas without accepting them. I think that's also been a helpful part of my growth and why I think the way I do is I think a lot of people, if the idea isn't something you agree with, you start off to it immediately. You don't you don't listen to it anymore. No, you're wrong. Yeah. And I and I don't like to do that. I go Yeah. So you had that growth mindset versus a fixed one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah it's a hundred percent there. But even in this aspect, it's not even about growing with the idea. It's say me and you sit down and you tell me something. Well, I go, I don't believe in that. Well, most people go like, well, what's wrong with you? Well, you see, you're saying my idea is a bad idea and they get to this defensive position. It's like if you said, like say I hate bananas and you go, I love bananas. What are you saying? I'm stupid because I hate bananas. You're like, no, I'm just saying I like bananas, you know? And so it's kind of this dynamic in the society now is where people won't even have a conversation if our beliefs don't align. Whereas for me, I go, I don't, I don't I have my beliefs. You have yours. They serve us differently. I want to hear yours though, not to change mine but just to understand yours. And in some situations, I understand mine better from there. But that's how wisdom takes place. You you get a chance to go through the process of making sense of your ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you think that was instrumental in you um, dealing with the darker aspects of your personality? Because I, I, I heard you mentioning in one of your interviews that you had to deal with um, the shadow aspect of your personality and oh, yeah. you were able to channel your fear and your anger in a way that that kind of helped you and that didn't that wasn't destructive so can you tell us a little bit about that well there was times when i was destructive like i will say that i think you have to mm -hmm. go down that pathway uh you're better to your best serve to help those who are where you once were so I, I usually help people because I I know the dark place of I don't want to be here on this planet anymore. You know that the marriage falls apart, your business isn't going very well. Right. You're, you you get removed from a team. Like I was, you know, on on football teams, and you get cut. It's like being fired from your job. Literally, it's what it is. Just a different job. Yeah. And you have to battle that. And and here's what usually happens is we as human beings don't like to not like ourselves. And what I've noticed with that is we will we will turn our vision our, our, away from what is is glaring us in the face as our issue. Because I don't want to face it, overcome it, accept that it could be wrong. My ego, man, it gets so big that nothing can get in the way. So 
No matter what happens, I'm always right. And I'll never, I'll never let anybody see me sweat. And I think that is the, like the epitome of, of like the, the opening of the darkness, because now what happens is you have this big, huge space of where you can improve, but you won't step in to improve it. Whether it's ego, whether it's, you know, embarrassment from the world. And so what I've found is like when I was able to improve my humanity as I stepped in and go, where, where can I realize this truth, which is I am the common denominator in all of my issues and difficulties. Anything that I have in life that's going wrong, like all my problems, either I've created it or I'm allowing it. And as much as I don't like the way that sounds, no matter what it is, I had divorce take place, career, business issues, all these things is a role we play in them. And we, when we finally step back and feel the, the weight of what it is, it's pretty freeing, but it's also hard. For an example, my marriage fell apart. My wife had an affair, broke my heart. Yeah. That was in your mid twenties, right? You went through, you said you yeah. went through oh, a really oh yeah. dark, dark, a difficult, times. dark time. And you also had yeah. an identity crisis because you had to really figure oh, out who time. you are. Yeah. yeah this, who are you without this thing? Right. Mm-hmm. And and that was the area where it was, it was all her fault. It had nothing to do with me. How dare you do it to the family? You know, all these things you start telling yourself to make yourself feel good. Cause again, none of us want to feel bad about ourselves and you stop and look back. And when I did, I go, man, I, I could uncover all the areas where I had a modicum of control and in that I squandered it and did things wrong. And then I had to own the fact that the issues I was facing had, they were, you know, veins off the same artery of, of the issue, right? They're little things like that. Okay. That's where that was the, that's why this took place. God, that was on me, you know? And I'm not saying I take blame for all things by any means, but I got to take my blame because when you could start doing that, it actually gives you something that most of us don't realize is such a critical issue. When things happen and you feel like it's not your fault and you cast blame, you actually rob yourself of all the power or belief that you can change things in the future. Because why no control over it? It just happened. So because of that, a lot of us don't step into something big and grand and new because of fear of, I got no control. So if, if I, even if I give my all, it's not going to pan out and I can't control that. But when you actually can go back and go, this was my fault in this and I had some control here. While it comes with a little bit of pain, it comes with power of going, all right, I actually did have a chance and an opportunity to make things better. And if I, if I could make things better there, maybe I could make things better in the future. And so you, you'll enter things with a different sense of opportunity because you believe you have a chance to affect the outcome. If you don't, that's a really scary place to go into because no matter what happens, I'm helpless and hopeless. And the other side of the coin you have control and some power and you can exercise that. Mm. I know. And it's a lot easier to blame other people, blame your circumstances. It definitely takes a certain degree of humility and just being willing to be accountable for your actions and everything that you did to create the situation that you're in. Yeah, true. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do. Most people Yeah, it's not easy pro- because the way you put it, it, I mean, it sounds so simple, but I think, um, yeah. So what advice do you have for someone who's really trying to reckon with where they're at? You know, say they're they're stuck yeah. in a life, uh, circumstances a, that they're just not happy with. How do yeah. they begin to get to the root of of everything? Like, yep. it's, yeah. uh, what it's advice simple, do you have? It's simple, it's simple, but not easy is the best way I can tell you. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to clarify simply what it is. Now, whether or not you do it is going to be based on what you choose, but that's not the, the, the easy part is non-existent here. It's hard, but it's simple. So here's what it is. 
I have always noticed in my life that there are people around me who have pointed out my issue well before I saw it. It's a guy named Tim Murphy had this statement I love, and he says, it's hard to see the label when you're inside the jar. And it's given me like a bunch of clarity on my life because I go, there's a lot of ways we're functioning in life that we're completely unaware of, but people around us see it. And they'll sometimes tell us, and if they do, we, we shut them down. Hey, you're crazy. Leave me alone. Or you've been completely walled them off as humans. They don't even enter your, your space of life anymore. And then what happens is you live in this bubble of, of you, your echo chamber of your mind. And you don't realize that some of the greatest people in life are the ones that will tell you the truth, the thing you don't want to hear but need to hear. And so for me, what I started doing was listening to the people that were around me that I was trying to cut off because they didn't say what I wanted to hear. And that became like the first step back and going, where can I ask someone to give me insights on me? It would clarify what it is. And then it became simple. I needed to apologize to somebody or I needed to go and start this thing. I needed to take this action each day or build this habit or, you know, be more present in this space here to put my phone away when I'm in public with certain people, right? These things that seem like it's just simple, right? And it is pretty simple, but it's not easy to do because you're attached to something and you believe something or you you want to believe something. Yeah, especially when you're but younger, other, you have that hubris of youth and you just don't want to... Yeah. Um, it gets worse to get older because yeah. you get people who've been doing it for 30 years. They won't change their, their oh, adjustment. Oh, they won't change? Okay. Personally, I find goes, I found it easier to change when I get older, but I must be an anomaly. <laughs> well, no, I think you are an anomaly, be quite honest, because I find that when people get into a settled flow of doing things for so long, they have more proof to convince themselves they're right. So we've been doing it for 35, 40 years. You go, I must be right. I'm still here doing it, right? Like, But that's not the case for many people. Now we're in a space in an industry which we talk to this and we have conversations. So we're doing that. But this is still for a lot of people. Some they go, that's poop, poop, personal development. Like there's still a, a huge base of people who will not admit they're wrong or won't even open the idea of the conversation there. And so I found that like when I, I interact with the general public, right, that are not in my industry, they're not there. That's why when I go to corporations and have conversations and share my story, that's where I have the most impact. You'd think these are intelligent people, they're smart, but a lot of them are disconnected from themselves. They come in, do their work, they go home. They're not actually opening their hearts to see who am I. And so, unfortunately, I think you are the anomaly. I don't think as you get older, you you actually change unless you're given this, this catalyst moment to change. Yeah. Do you think it's because they get stuck in a pattern and just they just yeah. live by default? They just don't even question yeah. what they're doing. It's your identity. It's your identity. It's the identity for me. It's who you are when you aren't thinking about who you are. It's shaped by your experiences. And then you live out of that. And we as humans live in ways to make ourselves right. We don't want to feel bad. So we just, we say something, we live in that manner. And then also as you get older, see when you're a kid, your mom or dad will make you go to like the family event. Mom or dad will make you go play a sport. They'll make you go to school. You have to be around people. When you become an adult, you choose. So eventually you'll choose the friends that don't make you feel bad. The environments that don't make you feel bad. They don't challenge you because if you don't like the challenge, you just steer clear of it. So you don't do things like get in shape or eat healthy or take care of, you know, the relationships in your life because you don't have to now. You can choose that this is where I live. These are my friends. They agree with me. This is my career. It works. I'm going to do this for the next 30 years, retire. And then, you know, so I think as you get older, you're, you're given less situations where you are forced to have to grow. That's true. That's true. So when we are all grown up and we reach a point in our life where we seem to be really set in our ways, what are some telltale signs that our, the identity that we have developed is out of alignment with yeah. our truth and with the external circumstances around us? What are some signs? 
Yeah, it's usually huge frustration and and you're feeling like you're uh I express it. It's like you feel like you're just going through the motion. You'll find tension and frustration. And it's mostly because the frustration is the difference. There's there's fear and frustration. Fear is I don't like what I see in the future, right? I'm scared of the future. Frustration is I don't like what I have now. And you may not know it's causing the frustration, but you'll feel it. There's tension. There's, I don't like going to work every day and I don't know why. Um, I avoid certain conversations and I just, I don't want to talk to them. Someone goes, why? I just want to do it. There's no definitive answer for why, but you just, you have these, these tension filled moments. I feel like nowadays there are vastly more introverts than, than may have ever been in the past. Now, this is just me thinking through it. I'm not saying this is a truth and I've studied this in any way. Oh, okay. But a lot of That's people interesting. Just, want, just want to go home. Well, it's like a well, running joke. Right. Why do you think why do you think there are more introverts? I, I think nowadays? because what happens is you you can now so you could sit in your phone and and get things shown to you that only you want to see. And so you don't have to deal with people who make you get stressed, right? I'm just stressed around people. It's like now I, I think what happens is you just have tension and frustration. Your way to deal with it is distraction. You'll scroll, you'll drink, you'll party, you'll go watch movies, you'll play video games. There's so many things to distract our mind from the reality of life. And so I think a lot of us have these heavy tension-filled frustration moments and we just go, ah, and we just go watch a game or sports or we do something and we don't face it. But I think for a lot of us, you'll you'll know it if you wake up, if, here's the way. If you look at a lot of people that have this, the case of the Mondays, right? The Sunday scaries. I don't know what that feels like to wake up on a Sunday and go, oh, Monday's coming. Like I look forward to Mondays. I look forward to my life genuinely every day. And I go, that that's a place where I, I know there's not a bunch of crazy, but then there are some days I wake up and I'm, I look at my schedule and I don't feel great about it. I go, why is that? And I'll look and there'll be something like a meeting I've, I've been trying to, to avoid because I don't want to talk to have that hard conversation, right? Whatever it may be. And it creates this frustration, this tension in me. And then I, I can personally at this level now address it and I'll open the conversation. I'll go, hey, just, you know, I've, I've haven't been looking forward to this call. Uh, not because I don't like you, but there's just things we got to deal with. And so just so you know, I'm in a space of being open to letting you invite in. But if I have a little bit of edge to me, that's probably why. But I'll say that and I'll address the conference and we'll go into it. But a lot of people live in that way and don't even acknowledge it. They just have it. And what happens is their life becomes a reflection of their actions. And here's why this is important. If I have tension, frustration in my soul, I can only give out what's inside. And if I give out tension and frustration to colleagues and friends and I'm short, well, then they, the world mirrors it back to me. If you walk in the door and say, hey, Anthony, I go, yeah, you're like, fine, I won't say hi to you. And then a couple of weeks go by of me doing this and you go, why is the world so mean? Why are my coworkers not like me? Because when somebody said hi, you just didn't say hi back. It's that simple, right? It's little nuances. And then what happens is if you trickle that far enough back, that frustration, that tension, you'll notice it's something that you did. And if you find, okay, why did I do this? And you start to ask yourself, how did this come to be? you eventually notice something that's happened or an experience you had or somebody said something and then you can finally address that thing. But most people will just, they'll try to avoid it. They'll distract themselves. They won't actually look at the, the we'll call it the, uh, the actual sickness. They fix the symptom, not the sickness. So the symptom just keeps turning into something else because the sickness mm -hmm. itself is never addressed. Okay, and what can they start doing to address the sickness? Oh man, that's a great question. Talk to people. We, we, uh, we have a good way of seeing things from our perspective. Sometimes you need somebody else's perspective. I do. I have my wife who will easily give me her perspective. No problem. <laughs> I have friends that'll tell me the truth. Like I'll, I'll call and complain to my friends and I'll go, listen, 
I know you wanted to get me to uh, agree with you, but I don't. I go, what do you mean? And then they'll tell you the truth, you know? But outside perspectives are huge. You can go to therapy and go have somebody, you know, have a conversation. You have to be open to other people not telling you what you want to hear, though. That's the only way you end the front. There's a guy named um, Dan Nitro uh, uh, from American Gladiator. I I attend him on a podcast and he one time says, action ends suffering. If you think to the core of it, it's like it is. There's going to be some collection of actions that end the suffering. So if you have frustration, something going on, there's going to be collection of actions. What those actions are, you got to figure out and then you got to do it. A lot of people won't even figure out what they are. So they just go through life with this frustration and suffering for a lifetime. And the thing is, first thing you could do is just find out what it is. Second thing is you craft a plan to address it. That's it. You have to craft the plan of what it looks like to address this issue that's causing the frustration. And sometimes it's you making a change. Oftentimes you making a change. And the change shouldn't be met with complete apprehension. It should be met with this, I'd say, courage because it's going to be scary. So you're not going to go into it going like, I can't wait to go do this thing. It's really hard. Like, that's not how it is. You're going to meet this thing with a little bit of frustration and fear, but you match it with courage and you take a step and you see what happens and you keep doing that until you break through and get to the level you want. The cool thing is once you do, there's such a, like a lightness to you because the problem's gone, but there's also a vastly different strength in you because you figured it out and it gives you more optimistic viewpoints of the world going forwards. Yeah, so it kind of confirms the new beliefs that you've adopted, and yeah, you shape a yeah. new identity. You start to see your yeah, yeah. And what impact, Anthony, do you think social media has on us? Because it has kind of caused us to compare ourselves with the people that we see on our feed. People tend to post like the best versions of themselves, right? They don't really, you don't know the reality of their situation. Um, yeah. So, how does this? Uh, living in this culture of better than me uh, impact us um, when it comes to developing a clear sense of self. Oh, big time, man. Big, big time. They they did a whole study. Like they said, I think Instagram and Facebook is horrible for like teenage girls because that's all you do is compare yourself. You know, I'm sure it's probably quite the same for boys. I think there's, there could be a conversation that goes forever on this one. But my baseline thoughts are when I wake up every day, I need to have a certain energy to move forwards. And if I've given all my energy to create something and I'm proud of it and I feel good because I got this thing done and then I flip a camera on or I flip my phone on and I notice that somebody else did something better, the immediate feeling I have is opposite of what I had before I turned the camera and phone on. Because before it was like, I feel good, I got this done. And they flip it on and go, but you didn't do this. And it's like, oh, all that work was for nothing. And it's all because of the comparison. When I was growing up, I didn't know what a kid was doing in Iowa or Wisconsin or Florida or China or Australia. I didn't know. Nowadays, turn the thing on, you know everything about everybody right now. And so you're immediately met with this emotion of, I'm not good enough. Or what I did wasn't good enough. And if most people don't change, it goes from, I didn't do something good enough, I'm not good enough. And so you enter life and you create a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is what I've noticed is you enter the day. You already, ah, I suck, I'm not that good. So you give that kind of energy to the actions. The actions in turn create crap because it wasn't a good action. And it re-ingrains what you already knew when you started the day. I suck, right? And so it's it's all about the energy you start the day with and the energy you give into the action. And if you don't feel like giving the energy because what's it going to matter? Even if I do great, it's not going to be great, you know, then you don't give that fully. So I see a lot of people when they when they are heavily engaged in the social world, 
their relationships aren't that great because there's always a better one. I'm not doing good enough. And there's always a better car. There's always a better house. And so why even, why even try, you know? And then we medicate off. We, you know, we, we ingrain all these things in our head of what's not possible. And we just, we start to slump. And I think societally, yeah. you have the most unhappy people that we might have ever had because everybody's all in the same, you know, ecosystem of seeing the same things they don't have right. and feeling bad because they don't. So what kind of mindset would a person need to have to prevent themselves from going down that slippery slope of comparison and never feeling good enough? I don't know if it's a, well, part of it's a mindset. I think part of it's a scale, like set a scale. I, I tell people, go privately, turn everything off, go into a room, sit somewhere and go, if I was to live a great life or a great year, what would have to happen for it to be great for me to be proud of me, regardless of the world? Because logically, yes, there's always going to be something better. Billionaires want more money, right? There's, there's always something more you can get. So I go, what would really make me happy? What would make me proud of myself to where if I got that, I'd feel great. And you write it down, you own it. So create your own yardstick, essentially. You can say, yeah, your own thing, your own measuring stick of what is great for you in different areas of life. Choose the areas of life you want to focus on and figure out what do I want that to look like to make that great. For example, finances could be like, you know what? I want to make $100,000 this year. Yes, someone's going to make $100 million, right? Doesn't mean you have to feel bad because you didn't. Because if for you, it's 100,000, it's 100,000. And here's why. When you step into the world and you've left that pocket, and you go to your thing, I made 100,000 and somebody goes, I made 150. You could do more. You go, oh, great. I'm glad you did. I hope you're happy. But you know what? I feel good about myself. I set this goal. It was hard for me to get done, but I love what I got. And now your energy is in a still is a positive place. So when you mm-hmm. show up tomorrow, the energy entering the day is a better energy and you move forward like that. But without having a scale set, you're left to just follow the world scale and the right. world scale sucks. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's good. That's good. Very hard to to live up to that. Yeah, it just yeah. is. It's impossible. Like, yeah, there's it's always impossible. more. It's impossible, right? And what about younger people? Because I know you said you have kids, right? I don't know how old they are, but how are you raising them so that they yeah. uh, are able to, you know, maintain my that oldest is, uh, himself? He's my oldest is eighteen. He's sophomore in college. My twins okay. are fourteen. Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, I guess they're not very young. They're they're older people. Yeah. But the thing is cool is I've always raised them around like the importance of just family, uh, of of health, of time spent together. So my oldest son, like he doesn't need a bunch of J's and jewelry and stuff. Like he's cool. He, he gets, and also we have conversation about those who have it. And and I go, those who don't have, they, they want to look like they have. Those who have, they don't, right? It's just the nature of rich dad, poor dad. I go, you don't have to have all those things to, to feel like you're worth something, son. Like you're... Do your thing, be you, the right people will find you, the right friends. And so he attracts more of the right people. But I've been big on like for our family, we're not materialistic people. And I'm not against it. If you want materials, go get them. If you want to work to what you want with your money, I am all for that as long as you're happy. But we have, a, as a family, have found that like we've we've done the buy nice things and give things. This year for Christmas, we're taking off on a cruise because we don't want the kids to have presents and everybody keeps getting them presents for Christmas because our kids, they get everything throughout the year. I'm like, you guys don't need anything. We told the family, can you just not buy our kids anything? We want them to focus on family and the importance. And they won't do it. So we're like, all right, we're all going to leave. Like, We're just going to go on a vacation somewhere that's not a special one. It's like a carnival cruise. We're not going anywhere nuts. You know? But the idea is I, I, my kids have been grown and have grown and been taught that the real joys of life are like our peace in a household, having great relationships, eating good food if you want to do that, spending time seeing things. And so it gives them a better understanding of what they're working towards. 
the fact that like they can be at peace with what they have and not feel like they have to have more. So my my daughter and my son, they don't go around going like, I got to have the new Jordans. They drop tomorrow, dad. I need this new bag. Or I need to have this new car. Like they're actually happy with the things they get. Like gen- we're close family. Like I know they're genuinely happy. But if they do have a need, like we'll fulfill the need. They get their nice cleats when it's going to find for football. They have phones. You know, they have the things they need and they're nicer of the things they need. But but what they need isn't what they believe that the rest of the world needs. That makes sense. Like you don't have yeah. to have all those things to be happy. Right. Because when you get them, I, I know a lot of people who have all the things, but don't have peace in their hearts and it sucks. Right. Wow. You should write a book on parenting, Anthony. <laughs> Thinking I mean, about because- it. Yeah, yeah, you should, because it really is all these values and all this focus on quality time and family. It's just diminishing by the day. It you know, is. It's just, yeah. So, yeah. So that's I something mean, for you to consider. <laughs> yeah, I have a, it's the book I've been thinking about calling it Season of Dad, mm. which can be for everybody. But I, I tell people, I said, I'm in Season of Dad. They go, what's that? I go, it's the season of my life. I'm a dad, man. Like, I'm present. I want to be here. I want to wake up with the kid, take him to school. Because at some point, yeah. They're going to be gone. And I want them to want to come home for the holidays. Mm-hmm. To want to. If they don't want to, I messed it up when they were kids. Right. Okay, Anthony, thank you so much for inspiring us to be the fullest expression of ourselves. Um, I appreciate everything that you shared with us today. You're welcome. Had a blast too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And for all our listeners who want to know more about Anthony and his book identity shift upgrade how you operate to elevate your life please visit anthonytrucks.com the link will be in the description hey everyone thanks for tuning in if you enjoyed what you just heard please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family take care and speak soon